Welcome back. It's Friday on Minute Impossible. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to investigate with us the movie Mission Impossible one slow minute at a time. I'm Jonathan. <laughs> I'm Chris. I'm Rob. All right, this is it. This is the blissful end of this week, guys. Rob Lumley is still here from the Titanic Minute, and we're talking about Minute 40. Minute 40 starts with some excessively rough handling from Ethan to Claire and ends with Ethan being disavowed. There's a lot of frisking in this minute, guys, and a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of bedtime. Yeah, this is this is an incredibly uncomfortable scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is both that you're I'm sharing it one with you, Rob, <laughs> and two that I'm having to watch it at all and was ever subjected to this. This scene is the tone of this is way out of the rest of the movies. I'm, I was trying to think of the rest of the Mission Impossible movies if there's a scene this aggressive. Like sexually, and I don't. Re- there, in in two, the Thandie Newton does have some some scenes where you know he jumps on top of her, and there is some closeness. This is overtly sexual advances used in a way that he frisks her. Let me set up the scene. He he takes her coat off and then frisks her violently. It's it's unsettling. Yeah. Ew. You know what I think makes it so strange is there's no love story in this movie. Well, there was. Uh, yeah. In the both the original script and the book, they were originally going to have him and Claire be an item. And I and Chris and I have talked about this on the podcast. They shot uh, scenes where they were together because in the trailer... The trailer has it. Yeah, they kiss in like an elevator or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it an elevator? They kiss somewhere. Or something corner, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so there. I mean, there was definitely a uh, tryst involved in this. Uh, there is nothing in this movie that is a love interest, other than Ving Rhames and Ethan Hunt. So, so <laughs> w- at what at what point in the production do they decide not to do that? Like, so did Brian De Palma shoot this, being like, "I want this to be charged sexually," and then they ended up like editing around it, or did that? Just like, or is this just Brian De Palma being like, "Listen, it's a guy in a tank top and a good-looking woman. I know only one way to shoot this, and it's to make it incredibly uh, uh, hypersexualized." No, apparently that they had the the whole love scene and the love interest thing being played up, and then test audiences didn't feel comfortable with it. Right, because it, they were already mad you'd killed off Jim Phelps. Yeah. At, in the beginning of the movie, and now you have Jim Phelps's widow boning down with Ethan. That's not appropriate. Yeah, she's a widow at this point. She is wearing black. Another thing that makes this scene very uncomfortable is Claire's face. Yeah, not that she, it's bad. I mean, she's a beautiful woman, and she, but she looks pained and also disoriented the entire mm-hmm. time that he frisks her. And it's shot disoriented. Like we have, we have more. Dutch angles and strange angles and like you know canton angles. There's a lot of like interesting stuff happening here at the end. It's it's a real weird scene. Like why not just why do you need? I mean, do you need this scene? No, I need- think she I think she was told by De Palma to pretend like she was in shock because when he's frisking her, she makes no outward appearance that she knows she's being touched. No, like she puts her hands above her head and. He touches her arms down her sides, her underneath hair. her her hair, underneath her yeah. breasts, and then her uh, her uh, waist, and then you don't see anything else. But I'm sure he, she did legs also. That's you know basic frisk. 
We've all been to the airport. What, what this should have been cut at when he says, "Wake up, Claire! Jim's dead. They're all dead." And then we could have gone to like the this to minute. this shot. Yeah, that's at sh- the end. The yeah, end of this, this minute with like Prague and stuff, and then like move on with him on the computer. And her, I like, agree. Looking upset. I agree. Um, she could yeah. have been. She could have. He could have screamed, "She's dead!" And she starts crying and like just crumples to the ground. And then he puts the gun down, like finally understanding she's real, she's alive, and her husband's dead. And just him walking away from her. And then come back to that next scene. Yeah, even if they didn't shoot it that way, they could have just cut it from, yeah. like he said, from him yelling at her, her looking at him, a fade to this shot here. You know, with time passage and an audience would have understood what was going on without that other scene. But instead, instead of doing the things we were talking about, which sound great, they do the horrible thing, which is he frisks her, throws her to the bed, and then gets on top of her. The woman has lost her husband and is in shock. He is doing nothing involved in frisking her at this point. The second he throws her onto the bed and is holding her arms down, uh, the ick factor is a 11, 12. Yeah, definitely. If if Claire, spoilers, if Claire hadn't been killed by the end of the movie, there wouldn't have been more Mission Impossible movies because I'm pretty sure she could have sunk Ethan's career at the IMF with a sexual harassment claim. Uh, guaranteed. Because it's incredibly uncomfortable. I... You know, we we sort of talk about the scene uh, being too long as it was. Um, there's a deleted scene, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Where uh, Ethan hooks Claire up to an e meter and interrogates her. <laughs> I'm sorry, he audits her to figure out you know her intentions and her background. Which cut are you viewing? The uh, the uh, the Hubbard cut. That's the producer's cut. Yeah. I've, I've I've seen a director's cut, but I've actually never seen a producer's cut. Yeah, yeah. It's the... Actually, that's not true. If you've ever seen Superman 2, you've seen a producer's cut. Yeah. That movie was gutted by... Well, uh, if you need a movie you need to go see, Rob, go see Superman 2. It's fantastic. But watch the Richard Donner cut, where the, the, he actually, uh, in, the, in the DVDs, came back and recut the movie with the scenes that were shot, plus test shots that he used that weren't in the film so he could get the story together. It's fantastic. If Richard Donner invited you and a bunch of other friends to his house, would you go? Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't. Really? Why not? I don't want to go to the Donner party. Oh, the pun. <laughs> no, you, you have to ice him out, Chris. That's the only way he's going to learn. I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah. Good night. Good night, Chris. All right. Well, now it's down to two. I hope you're happy. Can you call Joe and see if he'll get on with us? You know he won't. He won't put up with your goofery. No, he will not. <laughs> um, your sass. <laughs> this movie also says the word abort a lot. Did you guys notice that? <laughs> yes, we did notice that. A lot. It, do you know how many times abort has been said so far? We're at minute 40. Do you know how many times mm-hmm. it's been said? I do. It's six. Six that times. Is, that is two less than the total number of Scientology levels. That's right. That's right. It's not a Scientology thing. I'm not going there. See, but I've learned. I've learned. All right. I have one more question for you guys. <laughs> yes. Yes, Rob. Your hand's raised. What can I do for you? Can we talk just for a minute about the similarities between the Impossible Mission Force and Sea Org? Yes. Okay. So, for listeners who don't know, he's going to do it anyway, Chris. So just I know. Let him, uh, let him, let him finish. I was zoned him out. Sea Org is a uh, is, is an organization um, 
that is uh, it's with the Church of Scientology. It's essentially a fraternal religious order comprising of the church's most dedicated members. Right. What does C mean? S-E-A. S-E-A. I have uh, C organization. Literally just C org is short for C organization. It makes no sense to me. Um, but I did a little research into it, though. Um, oh, yeah? Yes. So IMF and C org, a couple things that are similar. They are both legal, non-existent organizations. I don't know what that means, but Wikipedia says that for both. I don't know how you are a legal, non-existent organization. That seems a little fast and loose, because I know Sea Org is a not-for-profit. Yes, that's true. And a lot of states have challenged that, including Utah, oddly enough. They're also organizations that rely on intensive surveillance, both IMF, Sea Org. Confidentiality is key to both. And you can be disavowed from either of them. Is it called being disavowed from Scientology? Uh, from Sea Org. Um, <clears throat> oh, well, because it's like a mil- it's a fake quasi-military. It's like a paramilitary uh, organization, yeah. It's very strange. Um, the only real big difference I see between IMF and Sea Org is as far as I've seen in Mission Impossible. And through- I think you also need to explain what Sea Org is. You need to explain better. I think you need to explain to our listeners. They may understand that Scientology is a thing. They may not understand what Sea Org is in the world of Scientology. So you, Scientology is sort of like a belief. And then inside of it, there's this organization called Sea Organization, which is like for the highest ranking or sort of the most loyal members of Scientology. Does that, does that seem to... to- yeah, it's definitely loyal. I don't know about high rank because some of these people are like deck swabs, stuff like that. You know, they're like, you know, doing manual labor on a boat. Yeah, yeah. Um, the big difference, though, I can see. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Because the big difference I see between IMF and Sea Org is that at least through the Mission Impossible movies that have been released, maybe this will change when Six comes out. But as far as I've seen, the IMF does not rely on child labor in any way. <laughs> no. <laughs> Everyone is an adult. <laughs> so, I don't know, just uh, food for thought for uh, for Mission Impossible listeners. <sighs> <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Hey, no problem. This is my last day. Otherwise, Ev- I'd stay here. I'd, uh, ever. <laughs> I'm going to murder you after this. <laughs> I can't wait to be back on Mission Impossible 2 Minute. Okay. <laughs> I'll check our schedule. Chris, yeah. how's our schedule doing? It's really filling up, though, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. I, we're busy, busy, busy. Okay. We might have well, no, no busy. Hey, you know what, Rob? We'll call you. We'll we'll call you about this, Rob. Okay. 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 That sounds good. I'll be on my motorcycle. Okay. Cool. I have a question. I have a question. No. Oh. oh. Um. It doesn't have to do with if it has to do with Ethan being disavowed. Did Ethan kill anyone on the B team when he escaped from the the restaurant? The guy got blown out the window. Well, he was blown out the window and took the brunt force of a explosion in the face and then so hard that he went through a plate glass window yeah. and then was hit with two tons of water. So he's probably dead. Do you think he do you think he's dead? Yeah, I think he's dead. Okay. Wait. So here of our movie has been framed for something and he murdered someone on the correct on the winning team, on the on the side of good. Is that what you're saying? Basically, that's what it seems like, yeah. Okay. I, That's just I, something I was thinking about for later because it's it's funny to me that we we don't you normally have your antagonist usually doesn't kill when he's wronged he's the better person and I was wondering if 
the other team and Kittredge were coming after him with guns blazing, you know, kill him dead or alive type of thing. It, right now, is it a life or death situation or is it a life or disavowed situation? It's not Ethan's fault that those people couldn't swim. I don't think if you're hit with a force of t- two tons of water, swimming is the thing you're doing. I think not drowning is the thing you're trying to do. Okay, that's fair. Because if you can drown in, like, what, like three inches of water? Mm-hmm. That was a lot of inches of water he let out. Yeah. Yeah, well, and also remember the guy had just been hit by an explosion. That's true. Of glass. And then went through more glass. And then into the water. And then into the water, and then and the then, water fell on top of him. And then out onto the street. And then out on the street. Yeah, unless we see him again later with the with the, with the the other Kitcher's team, then I think he's dead. Yeah, I don't remember. We'll get to those minutes, and I will definitely yeah. be looking for him. Because yeah, I'm, me too. From now, you know, from now on, Kittredge has a different team. The B team does not show up again, I don't think. What? Okay, so if he did murder him, I'm, I'm saying he didn't. And here's why. Why would you have to, like... Don't they frame him by talking about his parents on TV? Well, they're setting up like a they're trying to sting and they're trying to get him back by putting his parents later on in later minutes his parents will be taken into custody. Oh, okay. I was wondering if if you're trying to okay. Yeah, you're right. It's 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 a It's kind of it's kind of pre-Patriot Act like he his parents had to be in on this if they financially benefited yeah. from so, his treason. You're right. It's essentially it's a honeypot trap to get him involved. I was thinking it was a way to, to swing public favor because like, if he killed an agent, that's a pretty good way to be like this guy right. murdered an, an, an IMF agent. And they never say that. So they, they never call him a murderer. Yeah. So that's why I think he didn't actually kill anyone. They just are really hurt. That makes sense. OK. Well, good. I'm glad I changed everybody's mind on that. <laughs> uh, n- none of the answers that Claire gives in this minute. Would make me trust her. What about you? What about you guys? Uh, no, the I, fact that she showed up, it wouldn't make me trust her. The only thing I can trust about Claire is she knows how to tell time. <laughs> she says four o'clock, four a.m. or four hundred, four yeah. o'clock, four a.m. Yeah. Disavow, abort. I, I get it, Claire. I know how to tell time. You don't need to keep saying a time in different ways to say it. Well, it's a running joke because Jim actually explains military time to an IMF team. That's this right. IMF at the beginning of the movie, he says, he goes, we're meeting at four o'clock. That's oh four hundred. It's like, yeah, dude, we know because we're like professional military trained. So, hey, I went to Madison State University. <laughs> I don't need State. to be told. Do you think? OK, so maybe Claire is the one. OK, so he had to do that because Claire is Claire a trained agent or is she just like the yes. Yoko Ono of IMF? <laughs> no, she. At the beginning of the movie, we see her dossier in the credits. She was trained by uh, by Ethan. Okay. So Ethan didn't really teach her how to tell time. Maybe it so wasn't she- Ethan. No, it was another person, but it wasn't. No, it wasn't Jim. It was another person, and it wasn't Ethan. Yeah, it was a third person. You're right. She had a different trainer. You're isn't, right. Isn't Ethan's nickname like Philip Duchet or something? His, his Philippe alias Duchet. is Philippe Duchet. Oh, my God. Jack's nickname was... Tony Beretta, the greatest nickname ever. Hey, you're big on nicknames, so we'll do this on the last episode. Rob, if you had to have a spy nickname, what would your spy nickname be? Oh, man. Um, I'll give you a couple seconds to think about it. I can talk about some other stuff. Uh, The Mission Impossible TV show and the movie were probably the first times, at least I know for myself, that I ever heard the word disavow. Yeah, you I guarantee know. you, though, I did not know what that word was 
probably even I knew what it was in college, but when the TV show was on and they said that he would disavow you, I had no idea what that meant. Have you ever heard that term for anything besides Mission Impossible agents? No. Me neither. It's a yeah. it, it's a wonderful, brilliant piece of uh writing by the by the writer, the original writer, to to come up with this uh this word that, you know, the Secretary of State will disavow you any knowledge. And it's like Oh, uh, I didn't know. I mean, it makes perfect sense in the sentence. You know exactly what he's t- saying. But yeah, I didn't know what it was. And I just wondering, do you guys, did you guys know what this was before you saw that either, either the TV show or the movie? Rob, you're a little younger, so. Yeah, I've never seen the TV show. I mean, I know of the existence of the show. And I did play the Mission Impossible Nintendo 64 game as well. Oh, yeah. We've had a couple so of guests people, that have yeah. talked about it. Yeah. Didn't yeah. you like, didn't you like do the embassy? Wasn't that like some of the first yes. levels was the embassy? Yeah, I think it's the first or second level of the embassy. It's super yeah. cool. Um, How far did you get? Man, I don't remember. Like That was when I was younger, and I never really finished games. You would just be like, oh, that's difficult. <laughs> um, just I quit. Yeah, I don't. I think Claire lives in the game. I don't Claire, think Claire she, lives in the movie, too. Oh, does she? Right now. Well, yes, I know. Sorry. You know that the first known use of the word disavow was in the 14th century? No. Now I do. <laughs> I had no idea. That's crazy. Now we know. It's like a French, Anglo-French word means like, well, vow means, you know, to believe in and then to dis, obviously, to not believe in. So, yeah, makes sense. See, I took Latin in college. You're that old? Yeah, yeah they taught it. It was, ours. It was, I was in, I was in alt dot. Bible dot bilingual, and <laughs> we were learning Latin so we could talk to our other Latin friends. All right, Rob. Now I've given you enough time. What's your nickname? Go. All right. So this is like a. So this is like a. Or first do? Name. Or should we give you your nickname? This is a first name last name thing, right? Uh, it's okay. Just like a. This is like if I was a professional athlete, which I am not. Disc- disclaimer: Rob is yeah. barely a podcaster and also not a <laughs> professional athlete. So this would be the name I would. Uh, I would uh, I would check in to hotels with right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dick nasty. Ru- okay. Uh, Rusty Laszlo. <laughs> <laughs> Rusty Laszlo. I'm. Uh, that's what my uh, passport says. My voice is my passport. Verify me. Uh, if I had to have, I don't remember. Chris, have we done what our nicknames would be? No, I don't think we have yet. That's crazy that we've waited all the way till minute 40 to do that. We, we talked about it, but we, I don't think we actually got to it. I think mine, if I had to choose, I'm going with a name, too. I, I like the way Rob thinks. I mean, that's how I would have gone with it. Like, I, I want it to be a real name. What is your name again, Rob? Uh, Rusty Laszlo. Rusty Laszlo. I would be <laughs> Rex Lippincott. <laughs> because Rex is a cool name, and Lippincott is just... It's one of those names that you think... There's no way that's a fake name. No one would ever accidentally, uh, no, on purpose, would name themselves Lippincott. It's like a, you know, like it's a weird last name. Yeah. So, but it doesn't sound made up. Chris, what about you? What's yours? I'm thinking something like Manfred Alvarez. Man, Manfred Alvarez, Rex Lippincott, and Rust, Rusty Laszlo. <laughs> Rusty Laszlo. That sounds like a dirty move. I'm gonna definitely put you in a Rusty Laszlo later. Yeah, well, I'll follow it up with a Herbie Bueno. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a, uh, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give you a Dutch trolley, a Dutch, <laughs> I can't remember what it was called, a Dutch uh, dolly zoom. Yeah. As long as when it's all done, you fill up Duchette. <laughs>
Uh, you guys just go tug Speedman on yourselves. Yes. Oh, all right. We're enough. Enough flunking. Enough. Yep. We flunked around enough this week. And the uh, after they get off the bed, they're now the 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 sun has come up. It is a new day. So this entire movie in the past forty minutes has taken place in probably the past twelve hours. If that, yeah. I think we're now getting to the point because they went to the party that was still it was nighttime, but it wasn't late nighttime. It's a party, so yeah, you'd probably have it at eight. It's not a Donner party, but it's a party <sighs> you'd go to. They went to the party, everything went sideways, and remember, she just showed up at four a.m. Sun probably comes up at six, six thirty. So it's really they still have had no sleep. They get up, and now Ethan is sitting at the table, and she is back in her coat. Thank God, standing, uh, leaning up against the bed. This is the scene they should have. Cut to cut right to. after the yeah. gun. And he's still holding the gun, too. He is. He's looking at the laptop. He's right in front of the uh, uh, message machine. Yeah, he's like, I'm, I, I hope I get either an email or a voicemail. I'm going <laughs> to sit here until I get one or the other. Yep. He's also waiting for a fax. He is. Max could fax him. Guys, one thing One thing the Mission Impossible movies don't care about, it's fax. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Chris, can you imagine there's a whole show and he's the host? This is a thing that exists in the universe. And I, like an idiot, listen to it. And I love it. <laughs> but when you're in it, yeah. it's a whole other story. I figured it out. I figured out Joe's animosity towards you. Yeah. So I think I have not met your co-host, Joe, and yeah. I've not met Duff, but I think I'm closer to them now yeah, than I, I was uh, I was earlier this week. Oh. But yeah. And this minute ends with uh, him explaining that he's been disavowed. I don't know if he's looking it up online. I don't know, don't know if he went to alt.bible.disavow. <laughs> I don't know where this information's coming from. I assume he's just assuming it. Maybe he got an email. <laughs> I mean, he's got to know because he met with Kittredge. And he tried to kill the B <laughs> team. Yeah, he, like, you know, tried to kill him or essentially flooded the area. Like, he's got to know, like, I might I might have lost my job today. I mean, he almost killed Kittredge, too. I mean, that that yeah. blast could have easily stuck a shard of glass through Kittredge's face. So, yeah. you've never seen me angry. <laughs> Upset. 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 Yep. He's not the Hulk, remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, is where it, this is where your minutes end, and it's where uh, this week ends with him saying he's disavowed, so... 40 minutes into this movie, he is now a disavowed agent for the, and no longer works for the IMF and is being hunted by the CIA. Not a great place to be. Not where I'd like to be. But, uh, Rob, speaking of places I'd like to not be, um, <laughs> Rob, did I really appreciate you coming on this week. It's been great. Yeah, it, it's been a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it. It's been hilarious. I, I love having you on. Uh, I was wondering, uh, you, I know you have uh, a show you've done already, and you have a new show that is out now. Uh, would you like to promote both of those? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have a quest, myself and my my uh, my good friends, my co-hosts, Joe and Duff. Uh, we want to do podcasts for every uh, Billy Zane and Bill Paxton vehicle where they work together. So uh, we are currently working through Titanic Minute. And we previously already completed Tombstone Minute. So for the uh, if you are a Bill Paxton fan or you love zany minutes, 
Um, that's where you can get your content at. <laughs> I think if you look at the top podcasts on iTunes, it should be number one and number two. If it's not, when you hear this, uh, TitanicMinute.com or TombstoneMinute.com. We're on all your uh, your podcasting, pod-fetching, catching software. Yep. <laughs> Great plugs. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm here for. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you will be getting the Minute Impossible uptick, so just get ready to look at your analytics. Yeah. The only question I have is, I was just wondering, we've done this for a week, I was just wondering if I'm if I'm clear. No, not until you give us the tech of the week. Oh, oh shoot. Oh, yes. Chris has nailed it on the head. You have to give us the tech of the week, and then we'll give you your theta reading. Thetan? Thetan? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Thieven. Okay, I'm going to go with Claire's Wonder Bra. No. <laughs> you have to go with tech. That's Can't. pretty techy. I mean, it, she's <laughs> lifted up there. Where are we yeah. going here? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, some uplifting technology. And the last female listener... Leaves the podcast. We we could have also gone with the uh, the shoes that Tom Cruise is wearing to make him the same height as her. Also, up wait, how tall is she? She's not that tall. Yeah, but she's in heels too. He's standing on an apple box. I'm sure. I think the tech of the week for me is going to have to be the the GUI interface for the email and the Book of Job website. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's so 1996. Actually, it's 1993. It just happens to be being used in a 1996 movie. I love it. Every time I see it, I smile. I don't mean to, but it's so ridiculous that I love it. <laughs> Are we still talking about the Wonder Bra? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> Rob, the sex pervert. Wait, you're not, you're not Rob anymore. You're Rusty Laszlo. You're Rusty Laszlo. Yeah. Rusty Laszlo. Well, guys, this has been a pleasure. Um, thank you for having me on. <laughs> thank you for saying yes to my ill-advised invite <laughs> to be on this podcast. And listeners, you can go to change.org to sign the petition to have me uh, on for when they do Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> oh, not only will you be on again, you'll probably be on for more minutes of this movie. Oh, oh, well, that's that's your fault. <laughs> Rex Lippincott is going to make sure you get episodes that have so much action, you have no time to talk about the other goofery that you want to talk about. <laughs> Rob, you did us a solid this week. These were some slow minutes, and you were able to fill it with joy, laughter, nonsensicalness, um, slander. Uh, gosh <laughs> i can't think of what else uh you know it just it, it was very entertaining so thank you very much rob we really appreciate it it's yeah thank you rob it's been a pleasure thanks guys <laughs> if you guys want to complain about rob please go to <laughs> titanic minute on uh, on twitter and the titanic minute listeners steerage boat on titanic miss yeah titanic minute steerage because that's how we feel about our listeners <laughs> yep I would dare. Yep. Titanic Minute Steerage is where you find them on Facebook. If you want to find us on Facebook, you go to a much better place. It's the Impossible Minute Force, 
where we put no one in steerage. No one is disavowed. You can talk to us anytime you want. Chris and I are on there. Unfortunately, Rob is also a member. I, mm-hmm. For some reason, I've given him admin privileges. I don't know why. <laughs> I think I've lost my mind. But uh, you can talk to us over there on Facebook or on our uh, on our Twitter feed at Men Impossible, M-I-N, Impossible. And we talk about everything from Scientology, movies, and anything else that comes into our heads. Thanks again for another great week, you guys. I've been Jonathan. I've been Chris. And I'm Rob. This minute will self-destruct. Right, Rob? <laughs>